Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of the Golden Balls podcast. 20 more episodes than anyone ever thought we'd have, but here we are still chugging along. On today's show, we're going to talk about uh, the Eurobomb, uh, the European leagues, after we've had about a month of play into the international break. Kind of gives us the nice pause to reflect, kind of look at, uh, you know, take a look at everyone's team, who we drafted, who's doing well, who's not doing well. I think we're getting a sense of some things. Obviously, it's early and, and a lot of things are, are going to happen. I think we kind of get a sense of which teams are looking better than we thought, which ones are going to look worse than we thought and all that. Before we get to that, just a quick little note. Uh, I will probably do a podcast at the end of the international break, just kind of reviewing what's going on there. We had a, a show a little bit ago where we kind of talked about where each confederation was in terms of qualifying for World Cups and, and such. Um, some things have already made that obsolete, so we're going to talk about that a little bit more. We've got some Nations League qualifiers go, or Nations League matches going on right now. We've got some World Cup qualifiers in South America happening right now. Uh, so we'll kind of get a sense of what's going on there as well. Um, also, the Champions League is coming up in this month as well. So we will have uh, some shows probably doing some preview, review, draft stuff with that as well. But in the meantime, let's have a show about the Eurobomb. Uh, and then we'll have that conversation right after this. Hey, welcome back to the show. We have recurring guest Josh Frank on to talk about the first month of the European club season and kind of give a little review and preview of what we're looking at with the Eurobomb. Josh, how are you doing today? Uh, doing all right. Hello, hello, uh, folks out there. All right. So before we get into the uh, the nitty gritty, why don't you just uh, from a, the, you know the bird's eye view, the the top down view, what have you uh, what have you kind of thought about this for the first month? Well, so I mean, the interesting thing going back to draft night is, of course. Uh, you know, the battle between having better teams versus having more teams. And while I've not participated in your, uh, I'll say, tournament structure auctions, this, you know, this certainly is a little different because every team is guaranteed to play that number of games, um, you know, barring any weird COVID situations, I guess. Um, so, you know, I, the way it looks like it's bearing out and we'll go through all the teams is having more teams is truly probably the way to go to, to win this thing um, unless you truly have all of the, the relegation fodder um, you know getting 100 points or 150 points over the course of a season um, out of three teams is better than pretty much any one team you're going to buy for a higher price and um, I think that's the direction this is heading yeah I mean it's you know I've, I've joked uh, with you uh, you know on text and everything else about this but you know it certainly seems like what we thought with the fear that we would, that those of us with fewer teams would have had is pretty much immediately coming to pass. Um, you know, with Brian, as we'll get to far more successfully so far, but you know, Jeff is Jeff with his army has been picking it up as well. Um, and then those of us with the fewer teams are not surprisingly already finding ourselves uh, quite a, quite a far bit off. And I think the key is, is that what we really have to talk about it's, it's the margin for error, right? It's, when you have those fewer amounts of teams, it's like, you know, if you have 
eight teams that you need Liverpool to win every week and Juventus to win every week or, you know, Barcelona to win every week or, you know, those kind of teams, like they pretty much need to be nearly flawless because when you have 13 teams, 12 teams, whatever, the law of averages says, you know, Benevento is going to win a couple of games and, you know, Newcastle and Union Berlin and all these teams are randomly going to get them. So they're, they're, the points are always going to be coming from somewhere. And I think we've kind of seen that borne out. Uh, you know, over the course of somewhere between two and five match days for each team. Yeah, that's, that's certainly... <laughs> Which is exceedingly frustrating. Right. Well, and the thing is, as you sort of alluded to, uh, based on the kind of the strangeness of the season, you know, the, the late return for some of these teams due to, you know, Champions League obligations from the previous season, etc., uh, you normally wouldn't hit that international break with such a disparity in the number of matches played. So, you know, what will be interesting is for those who, whose teams are doing, you know, reasonably well per match in the, the, you know, points per match metric, will they continue to perform that way? And will that maybe allow them to make up some of that ground where there's, uh, you know, a disparity in the number of games at the end? Right. And as of right now, we have about 11 matches uh, across the four leagues that have matches to be made up. England has two. Germany is the only one who's actually in a spot where everyone has played the same number of games. Italy has two for the time being, maybe only one. Um, they haven't ruled on Juventus-Napoli yet, if that's going to be a forfeit. And then Spain actually has, I believe, seven matches right now that are have already, you know, that need to be played at some point. As you said, there's the room for make up, uh, making up those points. But at the same time, you also have to anticipate that those teams at some point are going to be doing like the three matches and six days kind of thing to try and catch up. And that, you know, that could be definitely a situation where there's a trip up because, you know, even though Barcelona should win those matches, are they going to lose one because they throw out the B team, you know, on a Tuesday night against Huesca or, you know, something insane like that, which, you know, I guess we'll have to see. Um, so wh why don't we uh, just kind of go, we've kind of talked around it, but let's kind of go team by team here, all eight of us, uh, kind of talk about how everyone has done and, and what we see going on. We'll go in our customary alphabetical order, starting with Andy, who is currently in the basement with 144 points. He only has seven teams. Uh, he has been bitten by the teams not playing bug, as Atletico Madrid has missed two matches, Manchester City has missed a match. And Torino has missed a match. Uh, Josh, what's your what's your view of Andy so far? Well, I think as we said, Andy's just unfortunately uh, really handcuffed by the the seven teams. Certainly, having uh, you know those teams make up those matches would be helpful. But you know, he has the the low number of points. He has a low number of matches. He's actually very close to first place in terms of uh, points per match. If I counted correctly, he's his team's only played twenty matches so far. And he's getting about 7.2 points per match, obviously helped by, um, you know, Atletico uh, putting up six, uh, Inter Milan putting up, you know, 15 and 14 for him in, in two of their matches, Bayern with that, uh, you know, 8 nothing over Schalke that I'm sure I will be made fun of for uh, acquiring. Um, so he's doing pretty well per match, but he has the lowest number of matches played, the lowest number of matches to play. Um, we can get into it later, though. Um, if you look at the points per match times the total number of matches he played, based on how we've done so far, 
he does not have the lowest expected points uh, at this time. So we can get to that person and when I, we, we get there. And, and, I, and I think that the, the number one thing, as you said, like he's, he's gotten a lot of points per match, but, you know, Man City has been a little bit underwhelming so far, obviously with the Leicester result uh, and the Leeds result on top of it. Uh, but I, the real disappointment for him has got to be Leverkusen. And we knew that they were going to take a step back because of moving, ha- losing Havertz and everything else. But, you know, three draws in a row, only two goals scored, you know, 11 points in three matches. And, you know, when you only have the seven teams and he went with the strategy of, you know, having seven teams that were all supposed to be pretty decent. I don't think he has a single team that is really considered to be relegation fodder. Um, but you know, Torino has struggled out the gate, but by, but, but Leverkusen is really that team that he would have expected to uh, to kind of do a little bit better. And, and as you said, even if he gets those four matches back, and let's say they all win, you know, when he gets another 50 points out of it, they're still not, you know, Leverkusen has to go on that run. But, you know, as we said, we didn't really know how this was going to work out. And, and I think even on draft night, Andy was pretty uh, pretty clear-headed about what was about to happen as a result of the fact that he only had the seven. Yeah, games. it would be... So I don't think there's a, there's really a surprise. Right. It would be interesting. I haven't done it with, uh, you know, the results based off of, of last season. Obviously, we didn't do this, but we pu- folks pulled numbers together for, dra- for the draft. And it would be interesting to see, you know, at the end of this season, if you gave Andy the seven best teams, would he, you know, and, and you swapped in essentially um, onto to someone else's, you know, list – uh, one of his teams, would he be able to, you know, would he have the most points if he had the seven highest scoring teams? And, and I'm not even sure uh, if that would be the case. You know, obviously, you know, Torino's gotten him two points in those two matches. If you gave him, you know, Juventus instead, you know, the top team from from that league, would that help? Would it matter or not? I mean, it, it's an interesting point. I guess, and that's and that's a question. That's the question we're going to be asking about three or four of us because there's a lot of us all in that same boat. So, I, but I think it, you know, I, I I guess we can find out when the season's over right. um, how that how that would go. But I, my inclination is to say no, unless those seven teams, like you'd have to have an invincibles kind of season, right? Because even if you let's say particularly say the best team in all four leagues gets, you know, still loses five or six matches. If that were to be the case, um, would that, you know, they're still not maxing out, I guess, in theoretically, theoretically what you right. could do, um, if that makes any sense. So yeah, that'd be interesting yeah. to kind of look out later and without, you know, I don't want to go back to last year so much because there's almost no point, but when we get to May and, and this in this season, we can kind of probably put that together pretty effortlessly. Yeah, and, I, and again, it, it will also be a little bit, you know, I doubt that, you know, Andy will be, you know, a make or break based on how Torino does. But it, if you get to swap out Torino for, you know, again, if it's Juventus or, uh, you know, someone else who finishes at the top in, in Serie A and, you know, there's a 300-point difference, does that swap matter? Yeah. And, and the answer is, Quite frankly, probably not. <laughs> and, the, and the reason it's probably not is we move on to our second uh, person. We go from worst to first with Brian with 305 points, which currently is, I believe, a 66-point lead over second place. And again, he went in along with Jeff with that strategy to go with quantity 
over uh, perhaps quality. And I think part of the reason we're going to sit here and say, you know, he's obviously in a good spot is that he certainly got that quantity, but he also has a couple teams that have put up, you know, a pretty impressive number so far that you might not have expected. And really what I'm talking about here is Everton and their 4-0 record in the Premier League, 52 points alone out of a team that uh, he only spent $40 on. Um, and if we look at his first two leagues, you know, first two match days, you know, he's getting seven wins uh, and eight wins or seven wins in each of the first two match days. And if you think about other, other people only having eight or nine teams, like that, that's a problem because it's not the same seven teams winning both matches. Right. right? So um, I, there's not much to say other than it's just, it's working out perfectly. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely, you know, as you said, it, it, it's quantity. He's, you know, he's got the most points. He's, his, he's played the most matches so far. Um but he's also in a very close second for, for points per match, you know, pulling all of those points from Everton, which I think is one of the, you know, clearly the, the picks of the draft so far, having four wins and, and you know, scoring goals while doing it. Um, I, I know that you'll probably have a, uh, you know, thought on this, but, you know, uh, Newcastle having two wins and a draw when, you know, they were – maybe expected to be mid table. Um, you know, other, uh, he really doesn't have any teams that, you know, haven't given him something other than, I guess, uh, you know, his, his one Italian team that's put up pure goose egg. The goose egg. Uh, you know, but again, you, you have the ability to take uh, a team like that and get very little out of them when, you know, you have Everton, as the high-flying team. Yeah, and, and you know, if Udinese's not going to win, that's fine if Benevento gets a win. If Benevento doesn't win, it's okay because Gen- Gen- uh, Genoa gets a win. If Genoa doesn't win, it's okay because Granada gets a win. And it just, like, it just, it's, again, it's like it's just buying lottery tickets. And, you know, that's a, it's a strategy that I've used pretty successfully in the Champions League. Um, obviously, again, the different format being what it is, but... Um, right. You know, he, he kind of, and again, you know, Jeff and, and him both kind of went at each other a, num- a, a number of times, um, you know, and, and granted it's early. And as you said, things can change, but so far at least in a lot of those, um, in a lot of those situations, it looks like Brian might've gotten the better of him on a couple of those situations in terms of getting the teams that certainly look like they're going to be uh, a little bit better versus some of the teams that may not again, that assumes that Everton keeps going. But again, Everton was a $40 team before they signed who they signed, uh, you know, and, and how they put their team together. And that's also uh, a part of it. So Brian, as, as you said, near the top in points per game, getting, you know, 30 points at, or 29 out of Newcastle and Granada so far, 28 out of Hoffenheim and Augsburg so far. Obviously Everton, I think, has more points than any team period so far. Obviously, many teams not having played as many matches, but I don't think anybody has more than 52 points right now. And Brian certainly uh, can feel good uh, with his lead uh, through how, I guess, what are we calling this? 3.75 match days. I don't even know what the average yeah, is on that. Through, through the first international <laughs> break. We'll just go with that. Um, right. All right. Next. Uh, you have no, more, just uh, as you said, the, the strategies worked out well. Um, 
you know, you made the point about the the seven wins on the first two match days, even on match day three where he struggled and he has one team that hasn't competed yet. You know, he has four wins. I mean, you know, to compare it to Andy and not to pick on Andy uh, too much. Um, but Andy hasn't had a match day where he's had all seven teams play. He has only had three wins on his best match day at this point. So, right. Yeah, there's. Yeah, so even with uh, even re- the relative failure is greater than the relative success. Yeah. Um, that moves on to me. I am currently in looks like sixth place with 176 points. Again, only eight teams. Um, I don't really. I mean, Sevilla still has a couple matches to play, and Juventus has a match to play, which again would be helpful. But you know, again, to your point is in match day three, seven of my eight teams have played so far. Juventus is the only one who hasn't. And we think they're going to get a forfeit victory. I, 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 that's, I, they haven't been official. That seems to be the rule. So let's give them a 3 nothing victory uh, just for the sake of this argument. That would mean that seven of my eight teams won. The only team that didn't is the relegation fodder I have. And that would give me about 87 points. But again, you know, as we talked about, when Brian has seven of his 12 teams win, he got 97 points. So... I think that I think that's the easiest case we have so far that crystallizes just what's going to happen here over the next few months. Um, I also, again, not that it's probably going to matter in the long run. I knew that I was doomed from the start when in my first game, Roma ends up having to forfeit a match because they registered a player incorrectly just to prove that I can manage to find a way to be fucked by just about anything in fantasy. I will admit that that was uh, that happening to you of all people was uh, you know, interesting. Again, I have only a short time as part of these golden balls uh, efforts, but it does seem like you have very curious luck. Um, I'm sure... Go ahead. And, and I, I was just going to say, Stro, Stro, this is where Stroh's yelling at his phone saying that he's the unluckiest person, but Stroh's unluck is, or like lack of luck is, is usually more like, it makes sense. It's surface level unluck. It's guys getting red cards and own goals and missed penalties. Like mine is just like, they invent ways. Um, you know, not to beat any of those dead horses, we don't have to go back to it, but, you know, player misregistered and not a youth player anymore, and that's a forfeit, is, that's a, that's a pretty unique one, though I guess I'm getting it back if Juventus gets their, uh, their, their victory, but it's still, it's a bizarre way to, it's a bizarre way For to sure. lose um, I will I will say, I'm sure it is uh, no c- consolation to you at, at this point, but again, if I did the calculations correctly, you actually have the most points per match. Uh, among your your eight teams, unfortunately, you have the second fewest played, and will have the second fewest played at the end. Again, barring some sort of weird COVID circumstances, where you know somebody loses a few matches off the end of the season, and uh, to be honest, based on what we're talking about, that would also end up being you most likely. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It, I mean, it's all relative, right? If we're all gonna, if one of the leagues starts. You know, contracting games. I mean, we're all going to lose games, and and obviously, again, having more teams still in the long run becomes a benefit. I'm happy to know that I guess I have the most points per game. I, you know, I feel like the teams I have are pretty good. Uh, again, Crotone aside, whatever. I picked up one relegation fodder team, but you know, Sevilla actually looks. You know, not to go. This is relevant to the fantasy part of it so much, but I mean, Sevilla looks really good so far. Um, from what I've seen, um, two wins and a draw against Barcelona, where they were probably the better team. Uh, they still have two games in hand on the rest of La Liga, uh, games against 
Elche and Atletico Madrid. So, I mean, not obviously not easy matches, but, uh, you know, they've been really fun to watch. Uh, Roma's looked okay when they actually are allowed to play. Uh, Liverpool, you know, that Aston Villa result, which I guess we can probably talk about in a weird way. I mean, I, mean, I guess at least they got two goals. Well, I, I was going to say, whenever you, whenever you want to move on to Jeff's team, he has uh... – yeah, was, yeah, we can talk about the Aston Villa thing. But, yeah, I mean, again, there's not much to say about it. My guys have played well. My teams have played well. I drafted good teams, but I don't have enough of them. And thus, I know exactly where this is en- This is ending. Um, I guess it's probably the, the easy way to say that. And uh, to your point, we can move on to Jeff, who struggled early on a little bit, but he has picked it up. And because of his, his gluttony of teams, is currently in second place uh, with 239 points. Um, and again, he has two, four, six, eight, 10, 12 teams, which I believe is the same as Brian, but has not yet had the same level of success, uh, though he's had a very strong match day three and uh, match day four. He hasn't had a lot of his guys play, but that Aston Villa. I mean, if I would have told you after the first month of the season that the second most points somebody got in the game was Aston Villa, who, by the way, is three and zero in the Premier League, um, you might have called me a little crazy. Well, well and, and to your point. You know, not only the the quantity, the quantity, but maybe some of the unexpected quality. Uh, the top two teams for value wise, Aston Villa uh, actually has more points yeah. per dollar at this point than Everton, even with one fewer game, because Aston Villa cost twenty seven dollars versus the forty for Everton. Yeah, Aston Aston Villa is the best value currently Correct. in the entire Correct. tournament. Uh, yeah, so, so so one you know your two best value teams being held by the two uh, you know the two gentlemen with the most teams, uh, you know the, the the to the rich go the spoils I guess um, yeah. you know I would say from a, a pure footballing standpoint you would think Everton is probably more sustainable than Aston Villa but you never know um, it could be all the difference in you know a goalkeeper or something else. But, but either way, um, you know, Villa was theoretically a, you know, potential relegation fodder having just been, um, you know, promoted a couple years back. Uh, you know, West Ham looked like they were in disarray with their captain calling out, uh, you know, the, the board and everything preseason for selling a, a talented player. And they've been, right. you know, his, his fourth best team. So... Yeah, you know, again, you can take a, a hit like, uh, you know, uh, a team that gets you zero or, or two points um, in a few match days will probably pick up somewhere. But it doesn't really matter if you can make up for it with an Aston Villa. Well, again, yeah, you're going to get 17 in a match against Liverpool a week after getting 15 in a match against Manchester City, right? With the Leicester, uh, you know, they won their first three matches. But, got, you know, they put five up on City and. And it's just, as you said, like we, we always, we said before this, this whole thing started that, you know, the way you catch guys with 12 teams is you need your guys to put up monster numbers. And that doesn't work if, as you said, they're the guys putting up the monster numbers. And if you look at Jeff, I mean, we have a 17, a 14, a 15, a 14, a 14, like, I mean, just four goal wins just nonstop or more. And like, that's just not, I mean, I'm not look, full, like, full credit. But that's not for the rest of us. It's terrifying yeah. because again, you, it, right. it's you. You would, yeah. 
It's right. too much. You expect maybe a high flying game from a you know a Leicester or a Leipzig, maybe from Leicester. You're not expecting it against Man City, but you know there there's the last year if we're doing this after you know four or five matches, Villa probably put up seven goals total in those matches. Not, not oh, no, all no. in one match against the defending champion. Like there, there's some things that feel like they're outliers, but if they're not outliers or if they're not enough of outliers, then certainly he'll keep putting up those points. And, and we tend to, in any fantasy and anything else, we tend to overvalue the things that happen at the end because they're fresh in memory. But if this does come down to Jeff versus Brian later on and they're neck and neck, like that's the kind of result that you can look at in April and May and whatever and be like, hey, yeah, remember like Jeff's winning this by two points right now? And a big reason is because randomly Aston Villa decided to throw up seven on Liverpool. Right. Like that's... So, you know, that's where we'll go from there. And I, I think the next team we're going to talk about is probably in many ways the most interesting. That is Jordan, who's currently in third place with 236 points. So just three points behind Jeff. He only has nine teams, but I know you've done the math on it. And just by at the eyeball's glance, I'm thinking there's well, a lot here. So, so Jordan's in third. He has played, I guess, if you look at it, a tied for – Six most, most matches, 35 with Manny. I have 36. Mike has 39. There's not an appreciable difference. Um, so he's fourth in points per match. What's interesting, as you alluded to, he is actually the only person with uh, nine teams. So he has the third fewest matches expected, uh, or you know, third fewest matches. But if you extrapolate out, he would finish in third right now he would he would stay where he is um but again okay some of that is because he's had you know some hot teams uh you know 15 and 16 from from spurs um even if they didn't necessarily come in big those other two weeks uh you know he's been pretty consistent he doesn't have any relegation fodder teams right now everyone his low point total is uh 14 points across three matches for lj um, who I think he basically drafted on a dare because nobody knew what they were. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, whether that will hold or not, you know, he, he might, he theoretically has a chance to be that middle ground where he doesn't have anyone bringing zero value to the table. And, you know, that might make up for Jeff or Brian having a couple of, you know, bottom-feeding relegation-type teams. But we have to see how it, it shakes out. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that, draw, that drove me kind of like, I, which made me think that it might be a little bit of smoke and mirrors, is that he actually has a lot of, uh, I mean, comparatively to the number of teams he has, he has, what, four Spanish teams. And La Liga right now is the, is the league that has played the most matches, though, you know, Elche has only played three and not five. But, you know, he's kind of seen a lot of his guys already get five matches in, um, which is Cadiz has, you know, Cadiz has played five, Celta Vigo's played five, Sociedad has played five. Um, so, uh, you know, my, my thought was only that, you know, he's already gotten a decent number of matches in under his belt compared to it, the number of teams oh. he has. Um, and that's, and that's, and also, that's very, that's very true. He has sucks. one more team than you, but his, his squad has played 11 more matches than you. So you, you know, he will end up playing more matches at the end based on that one team. The question is, you know, 
what what does that look like uh, with you know if some of those teams fall back down to earth at some point? Exactly. So, but I said, you know, it's a, it's a promising start, especially as you, as we said, he's not one of the the twelve team crew. So for him to be in third place right now, especially over some teams that have, uh, you know, more than ten, you know, more than nine teams, a couple of ten or whatever. I mean, you can't be unhappy. Um, and you know, I, I've also got to say, you know, it's hard to imagine Manchester United won't sure. be a little bit better in the future. And you know, Chelsea, who's been a, a little bit of a mixed bag themselves, if they actually get healthy after the international break, uh, you know, that hopefully they can. For their sake, I should say they, they can put a run together because I think that you know they've almost been a little disappointing um, so far, you know, in terms of that. But as you said, if you know if if Elche, I guess, even keeps up, kind of at least being competitive, um, everyone else on his, you know, of his of his nine teams, it looks like what seven of them have two wins, um, or I'm sorry, six of them have at least two wins. So. You know, he's getting points with regularity. As, as you said, he, every one of his teams has a win at least, a win and a draw at least. I mean, you know, so he's, he, has a, he doesn't have anybody just putting up one point or anything like that. And so, as you said, I guess if he's, if he's uh, kind of worn out to finish third, if, that kind of, if that's what the math suggests so far, then I guess good on him because it didn't look like that to me at least when I yeah, – And, again, it's also possible I did some, uh, some math <laughs> – made some math issues uh, counting here from uh you know but but yeah. he's certainly in position he's not in position to, to fall apart it's not it's not all smoke and mirrors right. all right well moving on we have you are in a uh i guess a comfortable fifth place and i say that just in terms of the fact that you're not particularly in either direction close to anybody um you have two four six eight looks like ten teams uh you are probably a little hurt by the fact that of course barcelona is uh, a couple matches light. And by the fact uh, I have several, I have several teams that are embarrassments down. and will be relegated by Thanksgiving. That is, I mean, you, uh, I, I don't mean this talent-wise per se, um, but it, it is possible that given the, you know, with all else being equal, you have the two worst teams. Like, For sure. Um, you know, other than, <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't think... Uh, obviously, uh, Unese at this point has literally not gotten any points um, for, I believe that was Brian who had them. Um, but, you know, Schalke, I, I paid decent money for. I paid 32. They have, you know, we don't do goal differential here, and thank God, because I think their goal differential is about a negative uh, 500 at this point. You know, that, that was one it's where it's like, okay, I know that they didn't, you know, they looked really bad at the end of the year. They hadn't yet moved uh, certain players. Obviously, they've since fired their manager. But, like, they finished second in the Bundesliga in the last handful of years. Could they really be that bad? The answer appears to be yes. Um, I mean, and I, think, and, I, and I think that we took them seriously, but not seriously enough when they literally came out and were like, yeah, we're probably going to get relegated and we're okay with that. Uh, and they are—they're not disappointing in that. Um, right, right. It's it's it's. Don't take what is it? Don't take them uh, literally. Take them seriously. I think in this case we needed to do both. Yeah. And I, uh, I failed that test. And and so, and not to be outdone, Fulham um, is is you know they've been trying to sign some guys and, and be competitive. It hasn't quite worked out for them yet. 
Uh, obviously, uh, three points across four matches, three goals scored, four losses. Um, and again, they look like another team that is primed to. Yeah, I mean that one doesn't well. from from a you know a soul standpoint doesn't hurt quite as much if only because I think they were, you know the the set maybe the second cheapest team out of the you know Premier League that that we took. So I don't think I had any um, delusions that they would be you know comfortable. I'm not sure I thought they would be. Uh, again, relegated by Thanksgiving potentially, but uh, you know, I wasn't expecting a lot from them. I'm not sure I was expecting hardly anything from them. That is the problem. You know, I, I certainly having ten teams don't have enough of uh, cushion to, you know, have several teams that are are bottom value. I just don't. And, and also, you know, going back to the draft. Um, I'm the person who ended up with the most funds left. I think I had 25. I had, you know, the intent of a Brian or Jeff strategy, but I left it too late. And, you know, I could have gotten other teams or I could have upgraded, you know, spent 38 on someone instead of spending 30. And and that might have made some of the difference. But again, I left it too late and uh, I am certainly paying for it now. And uh, and I think the other thing that is also hurting you is that uh, by my calculation, by my quick math, it looks like there are 12 teams that have yet to reach 10 fantasy, fantasy points, for lack of a better term, right, yeah. across the eight teams. And you have four of them, um, which is a, a suboptimal uh, strategy. You know, Cagliari has also been uh, a disappointment to start their season. Again, I, and, I, and I use disappointment here because – when we talk about the the relegation threatened teams that we would think about in that league, uh, Cagliari is not at the top of that list. Uh, Valladolid in Spain, again, a team that was kind of expected to be like a mid table kind of side, two draws and three losses in five matches. It just is yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember so exactly, you know, but I, I other than Fulham, I don't, you know, I don't think any of the teams that I took had the odds to be in a relegation place now certainly you know stuttgart um and they're not at this point in danger of it obviously you know being recently uh newly promoted you know Leeds was was spending and obviously they kind of blew away the championship i don't think anyone necessarily expected them to be relegation fodder either but you know fulham was the only one that had those sorts of odds and and as you mentioned several of my teams are playing like they uh like they do so, you know, you have to see if a, a Cagliari signing a, a 35-year-old, you know, Diego Godin or, or something like that to, you know, stabilize the defense, um, you know, is the type of thing that maybe makes a, a difference and, and, you know, even starts getting you some of those draws or whatever that keeps you out of the bottom. But certainly they, they don't look like they're going to be a, a mid-table team right now. And, and we've said so, you know, quite a bit talk about the bad. So let's quickly talk about the good with you. Uh, the first piece of good news is that when we drafted, obviously the we were in the right in the middle of the Leo Messi saga. Uh, obviously, he is at Barcelona and seems to be in fuck you mode, which is obviously a benefit. Uh, which means that automatically, I think what you spend on Barcelona becomes not a steal per se, but certainly good value for what they would be expected to. Um, Arsenal actually look like a they're well they're well organized. So I would far, say. I would say. 
uh, and uh, and I think Milan is finally what we thought they were supposed to be for the last three or four years, uh, three wins in a row. They actually look pretty solid at this point as well. So, uh, and as you said, Weeds Weeds has done I think about what we thought they'd be doing so far. I think that you know, I think if you you would take especially given that they had Liverpool and Man City in their first three ma- uh, four matches, two wins and a draw, which means you know the getting a result against one of those teams, you can't ask for anything better than that. So, you know, as you said, um, if you're if you're if these four teams that you have that are sucking right now could just stop sucking. Um, Did you I hear that, guys? Stop shape. sucking. Um, yeah, I mean, stop, stop I, I, I've right, gone back and, su- and looked at it oh, ahead, this yeah. way. But and, you know, again, having uh, 10 teams makes it a little easier just for the, the symmetry standpoint. But I probably have the biggest kind of haves and haves not differences between my teams. I have, you know, four teams that have 30 plus points and I'd make the point that none of them have played a full five matches. In fact, um, a couple of them have only played three, but then I have the four of the, I think you said it was eight teams that are not in double digits yet. So truly, uh, <laughs> truly a, a big gap between those performances. Yeah, and, and so moving on to our, I mean, got to be the most disappointing thing we've seen so far uh, is, is Manny in is seventh place with 158. That's the question. Is again, there a letter? He has 10 teams. Um, uh, there is no letter, but I mean, you know, Andy currently is in last place. But again, Andy has seven teams, not 10. And he is only 14 points behind Manny right now. And I mean, the second match day and the third match day, for Manny, and he has a couple teams that still have to play a match. But again, Napoli is probably figuring to forfeit that match. So in 10 teams over two match days, right now he has 20 games, 20 matches, and three wins. Um, in match day two, he is currently one win, one draw, seven losses. And in the match day three, two wins seven losses, and about to be a forfeited loss. So, um, 10 teams only matters if you draft right. teams I that mean, don't suck. Yeah, so people, you know, a, a, a t- a, yeah, I mean, there's, there's really no way around it. I don't even know what to say. I mean, and, 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 like, and I'm, you know, I'm slightly, I'm taking the piss a little bit because Madrid's been fine. Napoli's been fine. I guess Wolves have been fine, but Bilbao is supposed to be pretty good, and they've been terrible. Burnley is not necessarily was not thought to necessarily be a, a severe relegation candidate. They've been dreadful. Hertha Berlin has been pretty poor. Uh, Sheffield United has been dreadful, um, and they of course were a top what seven eight team in the Premier League last year, and we knew they were going to take a step back this year. But I don't think we predicted this. Yeah, I mean they were they were a candidate for Europe until the very last day of the season right and, and again we kind of knew that they were going to take a step back this year but one goal in four matches and oh and four i i mean they're last in the premier league i believe in goal by goal difference right. or if not they're certainly 19 my, my guy um, my my and, uh, my cottagers you know, may be uh, pulling that up but for the purposes of fantasy they've scored more goals and and you know how many they've shipped doesn't really matter and by the way, that is that is one point in four matches from a team that costs thirty-seven dollars. Crotone. Yeah. Then 
Yeah, at least they have a win. But I mean, Manny is just as as we said is just a. Uh, it's I, there's no other way to say it. it's just been a disaster so far. Right. There's there's really no way to go but up. But as you said, you know what is the ceiling? It's not like Real Madrid had some sort of inexplicable loss, and you know you don't expect. Real Madrid to lose more than a handful of matches over the course of the season. Well, they haven't gotten that one out of the way yet. You know, they have a draw. Um, you know, Napoli, as you said, is his best performer in terms of points per game, but they've only played the two matches and they may be about to forfeit one. Um, yeah, it's been, it, it has been rough for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, we'll leave it there. I mean, I, we, we're spending less time on this, but another team i just again it's, it's all so self-explanatory i think it's it's really the easiest one to really diagnose what's going on um just so many so many losses just just red on the spreadsheet everywhere um let's wrap it up with stro who i believe is sitting in fourth place right now 229 points um and he as well has 10 teams um when I look at him so far, I think he has a lot to be kind of excited about. Uh, Atlanta is doing what Atlanta does. Um, he's gotten decent results out of some teams that, you know, like, uh, like Crystal Palace has, Crystal has gotten a couple wins out of the way. You know, Freiburg with a win and a draw. And Katafe with a couple wins. But the only thing I'll say about this is that, first of all, Stro went, ended up with 10 teams, and except for Atalanta, did not – I mean, if you even want to call Atlanta, Atalanta this, but, like, he has none of those pot one powerhouse Power. teams, right? It, he doesn't have – he has right. zero blue and, bloods. Which means that those four or five teams he has that are that second level, which is Atalanta, it is Valencia – though they've sold off their entire team. So not even this year, they're supposed to be that way. It's Villarreal and it's Wolfsburg have to all be, none of them have to be great, but they all have to be good. And Wolfsburg has three draws in three matches. And that's not, he can't, he just, he can't have that because he doesn't have, he's not going to have any team win 30 games. (laughs) So it needs to be where the, like Wolfsburg can't be doing what they're doing. Essentially, I think is where I land on that. Right. Um, Villarreal yeah. with two draws and, and a loss in five matches needs to be a little bit better for him. Like, and not that they are better or not, but that just that's what he needs. Atalanta is doing their business. You know, four goals, four goals, and five goals, which is of course insane. By the way, um, how good they've been. But it's but quite that's a performance. it, right? Like, and he doesn't have anyone doing absolutely horribly. But. Right. And well, and, and to your point, you know, he doesn't, I mean, Atalanta, as you said, is playing like a blue blood. Uh, no, no one else really is at this point, but he also doesn't have that, you know, seeming kind of shot in the dark of, you know, again, going back to Everton or Aston Villa where, um, you know, they're performing a, a, a crazy, you know, amount above what was expected. I mean, Atalanta, whether they are a traditional power in Italian soccer or not, cost $52. They should be doing very well. They're not even, 
that they're you know twentieth in points per match or points per dollar right now, and obviously they've only played the three, so they're they're doing better than the twentieth best team in the competition. But you know he he needs a team that cost him thirty dollars to be having that sort of performance, um, and, and he yeah, just doesn't and, have and, that right. You know, I think. Fortunately for him, I don't think he really has any teams that are supposed to be relegation fodder or anything like that. So, you know, the 10 teams is a solid, it's a robust uh, group of 10. But again, there's just when you're going against these teams with 12 teams, um, and especially, as you said, when Everton's one of them or Aston Villa is one of them, like you can't like Wolfsburg after the international break has to turn around now to in their in their um, maybe to Stroh's benefit. Wolfsburg did not qualify for the group stages of the Europa League. So they don't have to worry about Europe. I mean, I'm looking at his team, except for Atalanta. I'm not even sure. Like, is anyone, I guess, one of Valencia Villarreal must be, but like, he doesn't have a lot of teams in Europe. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> last I, I checked. So, I mean, yeah. Hold. No, hold. but, I, but keep I, talking. You know, and the only reason I say that, and I know it's something that we probably should have been bringing up, is that we have a compressed season and. You know, when you have teams that are, I, I haven't alluded to it a couple of times, but when you have teams that are playing in either the Champions League or the Europa League, especially, by the way, especially the Europa League with those Thursday trips to like Turkey and Greece, like, you know, like we saw what Spurs did last week. And by the way, Bulgaria. No, and if you look at what Spurs, and Spurs were fantastic and got through it, but, but like, you know, Tottenham in the, like, before the break had their league match last weekend. Then they had a like a Carabao Cup game on a Tuesday. Then they had a Europa League game on a Thursday, and then they played a league match on a Sunday. Like that's going to happen uh, quite a bit. And obviously, for our purposes, we hope that when the teams kind of don't give a shit, it's during the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup or the you know whatever their league cups are, and Europa League or Cham- and obviously it won't be Champions League, but like a Europa League, and they play hard during the matches. Like that is going to affect teams throughout the tournament. So. Uh, you know, throughout the season. So maybe it is in a weird way down the line, Stroke could pick up some points down the line because of that. That said, is it enough to make up what is already an 80 point gap? I, I, I tend to lean towards no. So Villarreal finished fifth last year. So they're in Europa League. Valencia finished. So that's, I mean, again, I don't, you know, I, without looking at every other league, but I don't think, I'm pretty sure Freiburg's not in anything. I'm pretty sure Bologna's not in anything, you know. So he, Crystal Palace certainly isn't. Um, so, you know, he, he doesn't have to worry about as many of those situations. But again, the price you pay for that is typically your teams aren't as good. So, well, and it's, you know, it's interesting you, you mentioned about that because, like, I was, you know, Milan qualified for Europa League and they, they had to play through the qualifi- uh, qualifying stages. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching them play like in Norway and, you know, or teams from Norway, whatever else. I'm thinking like, you don't really want them to get upset and, you know, lose whatever momentum they have that started the, the league season. But by the same token, do I really want them to have, you know, these six extra matches, potentially more in their schedule in this already compressed right. uh, season? You know, you have to balance morale and momentum versus just quantity of matches and 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 by the way everything that we've said so far and again it's something that we've referenced a little bit but this also all maintains under the idea that league seasons are not going to be postponed canceled uh 
teams that you know like like uh, Janela, for example, had what like ended up with like seventeen players and staff uh, test positive. Now they got a little lucky because they had a match postponed, and then it's an international break. So hopefully for their sake, they can take the next week or so and, and get over it. But for every if that happens and a team misses two, three, four matches um, because they're under lockdown and, and all that, then those matches have to be made up at some point, which means you might not even be in Europe and still be playing over the course of like two or three weeks. Like, okay, so, you know, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, you know, Sunday, Thursday, like whatever, you know, where you're playing all these matches. And so, you know, I'd like to, I, I guess in the long run, that probably is going to cancel itself out a little bit with all of us. But when it comes down to it, it might be the difference between finishing in one spot or another. Right. And, and, you know, the other thing is, you know, the, the sweet spot for this league, and I don't know what team would be the best example of that, is the team that just finished outside of Europe, maybe, you know, just on the cusp, but they invested this summer or, you know, they had a, a manager turnover, whatever it is that they're expected to do better this year. And maybe they also have, you know, more resources to have more depth rather than, you know, the guys who are in their 18 are the only folks they right. want to have play. You know, if they're, if they're a team that's going to play, you know, 25 to even 30 guys uh, across the course of a season, then, you know, they have more leeway if they have those compressed schedules. And again, if they're not in Europe, et cetera, I don't know what team would be that kind of ideal uh, off the top of my head, but well, isn't, it, it isn't it like exists. an Everton probably though? A yeah, I think that Everton Europe, is probably, yeah, they, they didn't make Europe. Guys, so now they have a but they squad. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, Everton is certainly uh, uh, off the top of my head. And, I can't think know, of better. And, that could really, as you said, it could hurt some teams. And then you look at your big teams who have the ability to depth usually to, to kind of sustain that a little bit better. You know, I, I, if I think about a Bayern Munich last weekend, who on any given week is going to, well, bought then, yeah, 40, they're going to start, well, but they're going to start seven guys who are world-class, but then they can always play like two Academy kids or two, you know, like Chris, you know, from the American perspective, right. The Chris Richards of the world who are projects, they're young, talented kids, but they're not – he's not a buyer. He's not a game-to-game buyer Munich starter. But they have the luxury where if you're playing with, you know, Alaba and Botang and, you know, Sua or Hernandez or whoever, you know, name whatever world-class defenders are on that team, you can throw in a, a youth team guy and get away with it. So your Man Cities, your Bayerns, your Barcelonas, like, they can actually do that, give guys rests and not theoretically sustain a tremendous dip in quality, whereas – uh, you know, pick a team, you know, Hertha Berlin's not doing that. Or can't, doesn't have the luxury right. of sitting two guys a week without probably having a dip in uh, a more, a, a more uh, yeah. obvious dip in quality. Well, or, and, and yeah, I mean, even, you know, to go for a, a team that's, you know, more of a traditional type of power, you know, you look at, like an arsenal that's rebuilding that has a lot of dead weight that they weren't necessarily able to move and that, you know, they don't seem comfortable playing for varying reasons. You know, when they played Liverpool in back-to-back in the league and then the, the league cup, you know, Liverpool changed over their whole lineup. Uh, arsenal doesn't have that luxury at this point. 
And, and so, you know, they're both in Europe, obviously different leagues, but that's could be all the difference for those, you know, midweek sort of things. All right. Well, I mean, let's, I, I, we're going to do this more than once and, and hopefully do it in a way that's not re- regurgitating the same ideas. And, uh, you know, of course, if we kind of suspect as we do that, Brian and Jeff are going to continue to set the pace and that, the, you know, the 12 teams is going to be too much, then at the risk of being repetitive about this, we'll have to find different ways to kind of talk about it. But I mean, I think we've kind of both said it, but just to wrap up, uh, do you see a situation, like what is the, is there a path reasonably for anybody that's not Brian or Jeff to win this? Like, is that even like, aside from the obvious, all their teams win all their Um, games and Brian and Jeff's teams don't. I mean, besides that, like, is there actually a path? I think you've, you've gotten to the, the, kind of the key. The team that yeah. scores the most points will win. Um, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, theoretically, um, one of the three of us who have, uh, you know, 10 teams and somehow it worked out that we all had two German teams that play the fewer games, so we all have the same number of total matches expected. You know, we theoretically have that ability to you know we, we have more margin for error than you know andy does or, or you do but by the same token however this happened to work out we are the three worst in points per game right now well, stro is uh actually just ahead of jeff but to your point jeff is ahead of him based on number of matches that are have been played so you know could if, if we all get hot if you know someone stops having bottom feeders and the rest of their teams perform as they have been. Could you see someone get caught? Maybe, but I mean, honestly, it probably comes down to, to Brian or Jeff because, you know, not only do they have the, the quantity, but the, the quality's worked out pretty well for them so far. Um, you know, they, they're, they're not throwing a bunch of, uh, you know, Fulham's and, Sheffield United's out there so yeah, far. It's, it, it, so. As you said, I think he's, the perfect way to say it is that it doesn't seem like what either one of them have going on so far is completely unsustainable, and that's a problem. Um, no, 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 not for I that. I suppose it's great. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, obviously I'm speaking for the chasing pack, but, um, I mean, I, I think the most unsustainable thing we've seen is I'm, I'm going to guess Everton's going to lose a game at some point. Uh, that would be a, a prediction I have. Um yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say that we're not expecting to see you know invincible especially uh, especially Everton scoring three goals a match. I, I think that that is also probably something that is uh, that is yeah. unlikely to continue. But as we just said a couple minutes ago, you know Everton not in Europe but still with a pretty deep squad might be. Hey man, like they're looking like the top five team right now. So uh, yeah, so the resurrection. So congratulations, comes. Brian. Uh, no jinx at all. I would never do something so cold as to try and jinx you and. And this, you know, your teams are great and are going to continue to win. And Newcastle's going to Europe and Everton's going to Europe. And yeah. Uh, I should have taken Newcastle. I, I, rec- I recall there was some consternation. Uh, no, actually, I, I do want to mention this one last thing just because I think it's come up a couple of times. But, you know, I, I, I maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I haven't totally started, like, I haven't totally remembered every team I have yet. Um, like, I remember the big teams, like, right, I know I have Juventus and Liverpool and Roma and Sevilla, but, like, you know, it's like when you watch, like, I think it was the first match I really remember this was in the first game 
with watching Gladbach, where it's like, oh, I'm watching them play Dortmund, and I'm a Dortmund fan nominally, right? I'm a, I'm root for Dortmund, so I'm watching Dortmund just tear them apart. Right. You like young, you like young men right. and Americans, and so yeah, so. I, have five, I have five Dortmund shirts in my closet. Like, yeah, it's all good. And I'm watching, I'm like, oh yeah, Dortmund's kicking the crap out of them. This is really enjoyable. Then I find out that it's like my team they did it to. Um, so I'm still catching up on the. Uh, you're watching a game and you forget that the result is either your way or not, mm-hmm. or you're happy about it, or you think you're unhappy, but then you're or, happy. Or, or, as you, or as you've pointed out, the, you have two teams playing against each other, and you just don't really know what, what to game? do. Because oh, a, a dr- that was one game over the weekend where that really bothered me. I don't remember what it was. Oh, you know what it was? It was watching the uh, the the Spurs United match, and I was like, man, six one, and I realized like Jordan had both teams. And I was like, well, I guess if you're going to, like, if you have two teams play each other and you get, like, 17 points out of it, that's actually, like, really, really fuck, you can live with that. Right. I mean, right. I mean, theoretically, assuming it doesn't completely destroy the confidence and form of one of your teams, you want them to get, you know, you want it obviously to be high scoring, but you want one of your teams to really kind of kind of put those up there. Um, I, I guess, you know, theoretically, if you're going to have seven goals in a match, you'd rather have a, a Liverpool Leeds you know, not that I have both teams, but a, a four-three kind of thing where both of your teams come out of it feeling pretty good, and you still get that total number of points. But the worst thing is, you know, oh look, neither of my teams lost, but I get a total. Yeah, of the, six the zero, the, uh, the zero, zero is like a particularly good. painful, um, a, 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 a totally painful way to, to go about that. I had a, I, I think really, I think you need a two-two draw or above. Uh, for you to feel okay because if you get the 2-2 draw you get 10 points which is like it's like a win right you know the win's obviously 11 or more but at least you're I think did I think I think the one I had now that I think about it was I think Leeds beat Fulham 4-3 to three, and I was horrified that Leeds allowed Leeds allowed Fulham to score hey, but that's, that's a pretty good way to get it though again it's you know it worked out right, so we'll leave it th- it, got, it got me the same 17 points that uh Gordon got from that yeah, match. That's over a the fair weekend. point, and I guess, but well, I don't know that Fulham really thinks any better, but I guess they feel better than Man United. Oof. All right, so we'll we'll leave it there. Um, you know, I, I think the the general idea would be to have one of these shows uh, during every inter, during international breaks or during any significant event that may or may not happen. I think uh, I think my thought would be is if at any point somebody that's not Brian or Jeff is winning, that's like an emergency pod situation. Um, I think is kind of what I'm thinking in my head. And then during international break, yeah. we'll probably kind of do kind of a lay of the land, probably not as long as this one, because I think this, as you said, I think this time we kind of incorporated drafting into it a little bit as well. Um, right. And who has yeah. what teams, it's not going to be that exciting to talk about, you know, Fulham having, you know, 20 points. Yeah. 20 points after whatever. 12 matches. And Oh, look, Brian's winning by 162 right now. This is great. But hopefully, I think hopefully the, the the dream is is that at some point there becomes a situation where we know that two or three teams are all like pretty close to one another, and there's going to be a race for something at least, and we can at least like live vicariously through that and hope there's a, 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 a some drama of some kind. Yeah. Uh, all right. Agree. Any last licks on your end, sir? No. Um, this is fun. I. I... You know, gives me something to to watch random, uh, you know, matches on on Peacock or whatever uh, weird smoke signals I need oh, to see my team. That could be um, that's, that's adding a whole other half hour if we talk about watching these things. And uh, you know, I can only say that I'm I'm 
sorry that I won something where there wasn't any money on the line. I look forward to Venmoing somebody fifteen dollars. Oh, there you go. I appreciate you spending some time. Uh, stay well, and we will see you next time uh, on the show. And thanks to everyone for listening on another episode of the Golden Balls Podcast. Whoa! Whoa! Whoa!